Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we're going to be continuing our message this morning on knowing the Holy Spirit. And so, so we just thank you for that. We will have a Bible study tonight at 7 o'clock, or 6 o'clock, excuse me, on the true nature of God. And then on Wednesday night again at 7 o'clock on the new year and the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can follow us on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Uh, where we have all of our messages archived, as well as uh, our YouTube channel, uh, Lighthouse Discipleship Center, where we have our messages archived there as well. And so, um, anyway, just, we just thank you for following for that. Also on our website, you can uh, donate and tithe and, and contribute to this uh, our church, our ministry here. And, uh, and we thank you for doing that. You know, we're in our sixth year now. And ever since we started, we started this ministry without a dime to our name. We didn't have any money. Uh, we didn't even have a home at the time. Uh, well, we just started getting a home. And God began to bring that. We went to back to Bible uh, school, both of us, at Karis Bible College. And while we were there, God put on our hearts to begin to start the church. And in that time, God gave us a verse from uh, Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. I don't know if you can see it on the video, but it's behind me. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Trust, uh, commit your way to him, trusting in him, and he will bring that desire to pass. And so, you know, <clears throat> um, we've done that. God put a desire in our heart to start a church. We committed our way to him, trusting him, and he brought this to pass. And because of faithful uh, partners like you, those who have partnered with us, we're in our sixth year, and God, we started with nothing, and God has brought through your partnership over a quarter million dollars. We have over $250,000 that have been donated to our church through partners by you, with you over the last six years. Now, I don't talk about this a lot, but I do make a uh, tribute to this every January, every time we start a new year, because people donate to the year. And every, every January, I always print off our statements, and if, uh, those who have been given to us, we'll give a statement for t uh, 2020. But anyway, I print out a statement to all of our donors. And, I, you know, Jesus, when he fed the 4,000, when he fed the 5,000, he took the bread and loaves and he gave thanks. This is seed. This is your seed money, those of you who have given. And, uh, and a seed for our church and for our ministry. And uh, so we, I want to give thanks. I want to give thanks to you. I want to give thanks to the Lord. I want to bless this seed. We bless it throughout the year. I don't wait to January to bless it. But at the same point in time, I do want to make a point of it. I want to make a attribute to that. So Lord, we just thank you for all these gifts. We thank you for all the, whether it was a little or whether it was a lot. We just thank you. We bless it in Jesus' name. And we pray that the seed would multiply back to them. The seed would multiply in our ministry, in our church, for your purpose for here. And we just thank you for that. We give you thanks. We give you, we give you praise. And we bless it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Well, thank you for allowing me to do that. Uh, I like doing that, just like giving a tribute to that. And God's God is good, and so God is meeting our needs, and we're trusting that my God shall supply your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our message this morning on knowing the Holy Spirit. And if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn with me to First Corinthians chapter two. I spent some time last week talking about. When, the, when the, the, the fire from heaven that came, uh, not only on Pentecost, but we saw that in the tabernacle. 
in the dedication of the tabernacle in Leviticus chapter 9. We saw the dedication of Solomon's temple in 2 Chronicles 5, 6, and 7. We also see uh, mentioning that God will, will, uh, the, the glory in the, in the, the latter temple will be greater than the, than the former temple. Uh, we saw that in Haggai chapter 2. We also saw a number of verses in Hebrews and, and Corinthians talking about we are the temple of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God has baptized us, his church. Now, <clears throat> in weeks to come, we will talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We will talk about the gifts. We will talk about the, the fruit of the Spirit. We will talk about tongues. We do, yes, we are a tongue-believing church. We are. Uh, the, uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about all that. But even though we'll talk about that, that's not my focus. Uh, we'll talk probably in a little more detail on uh, Wednesday nights about that right now. But And we will mention it. We might even spend some time on it. But my focus is having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. My focus in this message is, <clears throat> is knowing Him. We talk a lot about knowing the Father, knowing God. We talk a lot about knowing Jesus. But I, I don't recall a lot of messages through the years about knowing the Holy Spirit about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I believe we need to have a relationship with the, the whole Godhead. And we'll get into some of that later this morning and uh, throughout this, the uh, remainder of the series. But with that, I wanna, I'm want i not going to read, I read, read a, a big portion of Scripture last week in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to, through 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I read a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, Scripture there. I'm not going to read all of that this morning, but I just want to zero in on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul, who preached the gospel, he made this statement in verse 4 of chapter 2, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. I was in the King James, so let me just toggle real quick back to the New King James, where I normally teach from. And let me just read it again in case it's a little different. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words or enticing words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Paul did not just preach the Word, yet he, that's, he did do that. He also demonstrated the Word. Even Jesus, have you ever noticed in the ministry of Jesus, many times he would teach the Word, he would teach them the Word, and then he would heal them. He would... He, he not only taught the Word, but he also demonstrated the Word. I believe our teaching needs to be both. We need to hear the Word. We need to know the Word. How, if you don't hear the Word, how are you going to have faith? Because where does faith come from? The Word of God. The faith doesn't come from your pastor. The faith doesn't come from Andrew Womack or people like him. Your faith comes from God. Your faith comes from the Word of God. And we need to hear the Word of God. You know, I think I mentioned this on Wednesday night. But David Cho, who has the largest church in uh, South Korea, I think it's a Somebody God church, but he says, here in the West, meaning America, <laughs> we do church backwards. Where he says, uh, uh, at his church, they will maybe uh, have a, a song or two at the beginning, but they'll teach the word, and then they'll minister to the people. I'm not saying we don't minister here, but he says, uh, in the his, this was his perception of the church of the West at the time that he visited he says, you guys do a big concert, uh, and, and I, I'm all about worshiping God. I'm not so much about the concert part, but I am about worshiping God. There's something to be praised for. There's something to worship. There's something to, there's something to sing about. And he says, then you get the message, and then you send the people home. He goes, they can't, a lot of times when we come home, 
we come to church, we've had a busy week, we've had a busy month, we've had a lot going on at work, at home, and everywhere else, and we need to hear the Word of God to get our faith back in the air. <laughs> How many of you know you need it? Sometimes you can go, you, you can know the truth, and you just get so busy with life throughout the week that your faith has become shipwrecked uh, somewhere in that week. And you need it. And where's your faith going to be revived? Your faith is going to be revived by hearing the Word of God. He goes, now that they heard the Word of God for the last hour or however long the message was, half hour, you know, now it's time to minister to the people. And I'm not saying some of our churches don't do that, but we need to hear the Word of God, we need to teach the Word of God, but we also need to demonstrate the Word of God. We need to demonstrate with power. But, uh, and, and we'll be focusing on that a little bit as we go further deeper into our message. But again, I'm, I'm the title of this message that I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to go in is having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to just... I don't want to just experience the Holy Spirit when we are having a great service. I want, I mean, I want good services. I want to see the gifts working. I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit working in our assembly together. But I also want to experience the Holy Spirit seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I want you, as a church, to, as a God's people, to experience knowing Him so you can operate in the gifts. You can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit anytime you want to, anytime you need to. Not just when we come together, not just when the pastor shows up, not just when this special evangelist or speaker's in town, but that you can, you can personally know the Holy Spirit yourself. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have everything you need anytime you need it, whether you are in a group corporate and whether you are by yourself there's and just because you have the holy spirit for yourself doesn't mean that doesn't exclude that we don't come together corporately we need to come together corporately part of the purpose and we'll get into this part of the purpose of the holy spirit is so that you can minister to one another you can't minister to one another if you're not with one another <laughs> you know it just doesn't work that way i'm not saying we can't operate where if we can't be with one another you know, we have the ministry of Jesus to the centurion and his servant. We don't have to be present uh, for ministry to take place. But there's something about koinonia. There's something about fellowship. There's something about that. But we can also have this koinonia with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is dwelling within us. And we can, as we're baptized and merged into the Holy Spirit, we can have a relationship with him. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a He. He's a person. You don't have a relationship with an object. You have a relationship with a person. And the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a member of the Godhead. So now that we got that established, uh, a little bit of recap there, let's go to John chapter 17. John 17. And go ahead and turn to verse 1. We'll start there in just a second. <coughs> but how many of you know, <clears throat> I know this is not real theological or anything, but John 17 follows John 13, 14, 15, and 16. Okay, chronologically. Okay? In John 13, 14, 15, and 16, especially in John 13, Jesus had just 
They had the they had the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper together, Last Passover together. He washed the disciples' feet, and then Jesus uh, began to minister. He began to teach them a new command: "I give to you that you are going to love one another." So that love is going to come back in our teaching here uh, in a little while. But then he he spent some time. John 14, 15, and 16, three chapters, he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit that would come. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And that's why Jesus came. We just celebrated Christmas. For unto us this, <coughs> this child was born. Unto us this son was given. Jesus came to die that we can live. <coughs> we'll spend a little bit more time when we get to it today. Uh, it's been a little bit of time in John 14, 15, and 16 because he, he is talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. But after after he talks about, he has a very intimate time with his disciples, the supper, he washes their feet, he teaches them about the Holy Spirit, and then he begins to pray in John 17. And this is how he begins his prayer in John 17, verse 1. And Jesus spoke these words, everything I just told you, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. He's talking about the cross. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Verse 3 is what I want to get to. And this is eternal life. He's going to tell us what eternal life is. That you may know, that they, that, that, excuse me, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. <coughs> Excuse me again. That they may know you. Eternal life is knowing God. Eternal life is knowing Him. He was teaching, in context, He's teaching about the Holy Spirit. He spent three chapters. That's, that's one of His most intimate times He has with disciples before He goes to the cross. He's been spending three and a half years with these guys. His most intimate followers, and before he goes to the cross, he talks about the Holy Spirit, and he prays his prayer, and he begins his prayer, and in his prayer he says what eternal life is. God wants us to know him. Eternal life is knowing him. And I believe as much as we know God, as much as we know Jesus, we also need to know the Holy Spirit. Okay, we need to have a relationship with him. See, eternal life is not in the quantity of years, because eternal life is forever. Everyone will live somewhere forever. Whether they live in heaven, in paradise with God forever, or whether they live in hell forever. Everyone is going to be somewhere forever. Okay, so it's not in the quantity of years, it's in the quality of life. It's in the kind of life. Eternal life is knowing God. Eternal life is having a personal relationship with God. And that personal relationship with God includes a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And this, when we talk about this knowing God, when we use this phrase or this word knowing the Holy Spirit, knowing Jesus, knowing God, this word knowing is an intimate term that's used between a husband and a wife. And it's a very personal, intimate relationship. We need to have an intimacy, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And when we are born again, we are one spirit with the Lord. And because we're one spirit with the Lord, we can bear much fruit. 
as a husband and a wife get together intimately, they bear seed, they bear fruit. And as we are one with the Lord, there should be fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit, we'll get into that eventually, and there should be fruit in our lives. If we're going to be effective in reaching the world, first of all, Jesus said once in John 17, he also said something in John 13, that we need to love one another. But we also need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't start his ministry without receiving the Holy Spirit. He told his disciples in John, I mean Luke, Luke 24, uh, wait here till you receive uh, the Holy Spirit. And so, so we need the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be effective in reaching our world, we need the Holy Spirit. And we need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, if you've been following our ministry over the last several weeks, even a few months, I've been spending a lot, I spent a lot of time talking about the names of God. I went over the seven redemptive names of God. I talked about the name of Jesus and how God has revealed to us how Jesus is revealed to us. Emmanuel, God, is with us. And we begin to, and through these names, we begin to know God. We begin to know Jesus. <coughs> Maybe in a different way than some of us have never known him before. But in the same light, we need to also know the Holy Spirit. His Spirit has filled his church. His Spirit has emerged and baptized his church. I talked about that a little bit last week, how the fire came from heaven and filled the tabernacle and filled the temple of Solomon. And he now has filled us, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. These, these, temp, these, these temples these have not been made with hands, but have been made and been baptized and cleansed and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a person. And we're going to find out a little more clearly this morning, he's not only a person, but he's our best friend. And we can have fellowship. We can have communion with the Holy Spirit. We can grow. You know, any relationship can grow. Whether you're married, with your, your loved ones, your family, your friends, it can grow. And usually when a, a relationship stops growing, it begins to fade. You ever have friends that were, they were really good friends and you don't see them hardly anymore? They're not. It's not like they be, be, you, be, you unfriended them. And you just stop seeing one another, and the friendship begins to fade. You know, uh, Sherry actually got a, a, a belated Christmas card yesterday from a, a, a high school friend that she, she hasn't seen for years. You know, she's still friends with this person, but there's no real relationship during the, during the time that they're not <coughs> connected. That makes sense? And then when, when someone does make a move and reconnect, there's a reconnection. But that has, and that's beautiful, and it's awesome when that happens. But, but we need to have a we need to not only have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but I believe all of us, including myself, can grow in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you know the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've had a relationship with. Maybe you have or have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to grow in that relationship with Him. I want you to know Him as your friend. I want you to know Him as your helper. I want you to know him as your guide, <coughs> excuse me, as your teacher, as your counselor, again, as your friend. We'll eventually talk about what does the Bible mean to be, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to yield to the Holy Spirit and walk with the Holy Spirit? What does it look like to live, in a, live a Spirit-filled life? 
And what does it look like to be a spirit-filled church? We'll talk about some of those things in a few weeks from now, okay? Last week, though, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, just (coughs) just the mentioning of the Holy Spirit, sometimes I find two camps. I find those who, when I mention Holy Spirit or anyone mentions Holy Spirit, they they hide, they run away from because and they ignore the Holy Spirit. But then there's another camp that they don't ignore the Holy Spirit, but and they are actually it's all Holy Spirit, <laughs> and uh, and they there's an ignorance there. Um, and I'll explain that. The, the, those who ignore the Holy Spirit, there's often a misunderstanding. They're they're usually offended by the Holy Spirit. They're, 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 one, they're afraid of ghosts. Some of them will say, "I'm just." You know, the, the King James uses the phrase Holy Ghost a lot. And they're like, I'm afraid of ghosts. You know, I did like Casper. <laughs> I mean, I know he, I know that was a cartoon, but at the same point in time, I'm just being funny. But there's an immaturity. There's a misunderstanding of ignoring the Holy Spirit. And then, But then there's those who are ignorant. There, there's confusion. There's immaturity. There's, uh, the, and, and when I think of a, a church that like this, I think of the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was chaotic at times. And Paul had to bring some order. Paul had to bring some understanding so that they, these things could be done be some orders. In other words, and then I'm just going to say this whole, hopefully this has a, has a funny point, there's, when I compare those who ignore the Holy Spirit and those who are ignorant of the Holy Spirit, one camp is like, they run away like a scalded dog, and the other camp is barking like a dog, sometimes. And there's confusion. There's those who either ignore the Holy Spirit because they don't understand, or there's those who are just, I mean, they're so loose, they're so chaotic, it brings confusion to the unbelievers. It brings confusion to many people because it's just, it's, it's on the hocus-pocus side. It's on the, it's, it's just, it's, it's confusion. See, the Holy, we'll get into this, the Holy Spirit should be revealing the mysteries of God. The Holy Spirit should be a mystery all itself. <laughs> And there's, there's, some, they, there's some people, they operate in what they call the Holy Spirit, and it's very mis, uh, mysterious. And, and, and it should bring, the Holy Spirit, we'll get into this, it should edify the body of Christ. It should bring edification. It should bring clarity. The Holy Spirit reveals. We'll find it that the, you know, uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but the Father, the, 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 the plans of God originate with the Father. They're conceived in the mind of God. They are, uh, Jesus executed, executes that plan, but then the Holy Spirit reveals that plan. The Holy Spirit brings things to light. The Holy Spirit doesn't confuse things. Confusion you know, James chapter 3 says, uh, where there's envy, uh, envy, strife, and confusion, there's every evil work. The, the, he even says, uh, in that same passage, James 14 to 16, James, James, uh, excuse me, James chapter 3, verses 14 to 16, talks about there's two kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom that's earthly, essential, it's demonic. And there's envy, strife, and confusion in every evil work. But there's peace and there's purity. There's, there's clarity from the wisdom of God. Hopefully, hopefully I make sense with that. I feel like I chopped my words up a little bit. But the Holy Spirit should bring things clear. We're going to get into this, but the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit will reveal the things of God. The Holy Spirit will magnify the things of God. Will 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 uh, bring clarity and focus to that. So I don't want to be in a camp that ignores the Holy Spirit. I also don't want to be in a camp that is ignorant of the Holy Spirit and it's just like a wild Indians, you know. Um, I, in other words, let me just clarify this: there is a lot of ignorance in the body of Christ regarding the Holy Spirit on both sides of the camp that many Christians do not want to deal with. There is a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of ignorance in the body of Christ regarding the Holy Spirit that many Christians are not willing to deal with. Okay? Real quickly, we're not going to spend, we'll, we'll come back here later in our series, but go with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Something I want you to see here. I'm talking about this difference between ignorance and whatnot. But there's something Paul says, and he's, he's telling this to the Corinthians church. The Corinthian church was a little wild bunch when it came to the, the, the things of the Spirit. But that's what Paul did. Paul came and taught things. Paul came and brought things in order. <coughs> Paul didn't want to quench the Spirit. And just in my talking this morning, and I'm, I'm not trying to quench the Spirit. I believe in even this church. We need to operate more in the gifts. We need to operate more in prophecy in the gifts. But even though we need to do that, I don't want to quench the Spirit by saying some things I'm going to say in the series. I'm not trying to quench it, but I am trying to bring order because I want it to be powerful. I want it to be effective. But if it's confusing, how I many you know something that's confusing is not effective? It actually makes people shy away. Some of the reason why people are ignoring the Holy Spirit is because some people in the church have brought such confusion that the other camp doesn't want anything to do with. And in one aspect, I don't blame them. There's some really weird stuff that has happened to the body of Christ. I don't want anything to do with that. Yet at the same point in time, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There is a, a point where we don't want to be ignorant and we don't want to be Ignoring the Holy Spirit, we want to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to know the Holy Spirit. But Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, I mean 1 Corinthians 12. We'll spend more time here later. But he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul, the apostle of grace, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, says to us, the body of Christ, and brethren, or cistern, if I can put it that way, the body of Christ, I do not want you to be ignorant. We should not be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. We need to, we know, we need to know the truth. We need to know how to operate uh, properly in that. And we're going to get into a lot of that as we go forward. But there's many people who are ignorant. Let me just say this. I've seen, I've seen this so often. There's many ignorant, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to get my thoughts together here. Bear with me. There's many ignorant who are ignorant. They think that they have arrived. There's many people who operate in the gifts who think that they are better than other people because they operate in the gifts. That's wrong. That's wrong. Okay? Uh, go with me real quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
I started out this morning, and I started out last week, going to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. How Paul said that he operates not only in word only, but in spirit and power. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, and how many of you know chapter 3 follows chapter 1 and 2? He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are not carnal and behaving you are not carnal and behaving like mere man. <coughs> For when one says, I am a Paul, and another says, Apollos, are you not carnal? Well, anyway, I want to get to is verse 3. I want to read verse 3 again. But you are still carnal. For when there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? This is a major point I want to make, and I'm, I'm going to touch on this a little bit later in our study. But there's some people, I, it's, hard, it's, it's hard for me to talk to you about spiritual things, like Paul, because you're carnal. Now that sounds harsh. What's carnal? Carnal is natural. Okay? And what does he mean by carnal? Verse 3, I think, describes it. He says, But when there is envy and strife and divisions among you, you are not carnal and behaving like mere men. If we... Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says, We grieve the Holy Spirit by how we treat one another. Now, I'm paraphrasing that. We're going to eventually get to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know 1 Corinthians 13 as a love chapter. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that if you even if you speak in tongues, but you don't have love, you are nothing. Church, how many of you know that if we don't love one another, you know, we are carnal. There's some people, they will use the gifts, and yet they don't love one another. Jesus, in John 13, talked about how we need to love one another. He spent three chapters talking about the Holy Spirit, and in John 17, he tells us that he begins to pray. He goes on later on in his prayer. He, Jesus prays that we would be one as he and the Father are one. I, I just want to throw this out there. We're going to get into the gifts. We're going to get into different things about the Holy Spirit. But Paul says, again, I just want to read some of this again. In 1 Corinthians 3, And brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as a carnal, as a base in Christ, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you are not able. For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are carnal and behaving like mere men. It, you know, it, when we have strife, divisions, and fighting among us, we are carnal. And those who behave like that, they can't hear. They can't be taught spiritual matters. I'm going to be taught, you know, just because you're operating the gifts doesn't make you more important than anyone else. The key 
to our eternal life is a relationship with God. Second to that is loving one another. We need to love one another. Paul, Paul is going to go on to say in 1 Corinthians 13, and I'll say it again, that he said, you speak in tongues, but you have, not, you have not love, you have nothing. We need to love one another. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, self-control. Just because we're operating the gifts doesn't mean that we need to act like a bunch of dogs, a bunch of animals. We need to get along. And one of the main benefits, one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is to edify one another. You cannot edify one another when you're trying to devour one another. And I'm, I want to make, I don't want to continue on this point a long time, but I want to throw this out there. Am I making sense? I'm hoping I'm making sense like this. We, and Paul will go on to say in Ephesians 4, we quench the Holy Spirit. When we destroy and devour one another. When we won't forgive one another. We are actually quenching the Holy Spirit. See, what I'm describing right now, when there's, when there's envy, strife, and divisions, that is not a spirit-filled life. That, that is not a spirit-filled life. We need to be mature in the things of God. People who are acting like this, People who are destroying and devouring and strife and envy towards one another, that's not maturity. That's immaturity. Okay? That's not maturity in the things of God. We need to be willing to face any immaturity and misunderstandings, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to correct any of that immaturity in our lives. <clears throat> I hope I'm making sense. Um... Let's switch gears a little bit. Go with me to Acts 17. So let's switch gears. Right now I want to, I want, I want to use a few scriptures that highlight the Godhead. Okay? I just, uh, before we go deeper, I just want to highlight the Godhead. The word Trinity, I believe in the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the word Trinity, the word itself, Trinity, is never used in Scripture. But the word Godhead is. So you're going to hear me use the word Godhead a lot, not the word Trinity. I'm not, I, I believe in the Trinity, because I understand what Trinity means. Three and one. <clears throat> but because the word's not used, I like using the words, I like using words Scripture uses. Scripture uses the word Godhead. It doesn't use the word Trinity. Oh, am I, I hope I'm making sense. I'm not against anyone who does use the word Trinity. I'm not against that. But I want to teach with words that the Scripture uses. The Scripture uses Godhead. Okay? I just want to bring that clarity. So you can, you can substitute uh, the word for the word Trinity. But the word the, the Bible uses Godhead. I want to use a few scriptures to bring this up. Acts 17.29. There's a lot being said here, and that's not so much my... My purpose for using this verse. Again, I'm focused on the word Godhead. Paul speaking, uh, actually, it's in Luke. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold. Actually, let me toggle to the King James. Hopefully, I feel like I'm a little choppy this morning. I apologize for that. I'm going to read from the King James, 
Acts 17, 29. For as much in as we are, the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. There's a lot here, and I don't want to bring confusion by getting into any of this other teaching right here. But the word Godhead is used, okay? I had originally read from the New King James, and it calls it divine nature, okay? It doesn't use the word Trinity. It uses the word Godhead or divine nature. I'm not trying to make a... I'm not trying to... Uh, uh, Split hairs here, but I'm just, but I'm, what I am, I'm, I'm trying to bring clarity that the word, the Bible uses the word Godhead, it doesn't use the word Trinity. I'm not opposed to the word Trinity, but I want to use the word Scripture uses, okay? Uh, let's go to another one. I like this one though. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. I think I used this last week, but I want to go here again. Romans 1 20. It says, For the invisible things of Him, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I like this verse because it says that God has the, the all mankind. He's, he's dark in, in context here. Paul is talking about how all, everybody had the intuitive knowledge of God. And they have all the creation of the world have an intuitive knowledge of his power and of his Godhead. Now they might not, they might have rejected it, they might have suppressed it, they might have ignored it, they might not like it, they might not believe in it. But they have in their intuitive knowledge. And there is a day when that will be revealed even greater. They have a truth of knowledge that God has revealed to all creation His power and the Godhead, which is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? Let's go to one more. Colossians 2.9. This, this one's probably a little more... Uh, this one's probably used more regularly with people. More common for people to use this one. But in uh, Colossians 2, 9, Paul says, For in him, he's talking about Christ, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's the King James. Let me reread that from the New King James. It says, For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Again, I'm just making a point. You know, some people dispute the word Trinity is not used. Well, I agree. The word Trinity is not used. But the word Godhead is. Okay? I'm okay if you use either word. That doesn't bother me. But I, I'm going to use the, the, the word that Scripture uses, and that is the word Godhead, which is basically the same thing, Trinity. Okay? Three and one. Okay? So, the, uh, and we'll see, we'll see some other Scriptures throughout, throughout our study where maybe the word Godhead is not used, but the Godhead is represented. You'll see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit being represented uh, in, the, in the, Okay? That's just a... Uh, let me just throw this out. The, uh, the, the, in the Old Testament, the word Elohim is used a lot. Actually, the word Elohim in the Old Testament is used 2,600 times. Okay? And it's plural. In the, in the Hebrew, it's plural. 
It's not singular. It's plural. It's the plural name of God. And it's used 2,600 times. There's uh, four different references. There's actually more where there's plural pronouns used of God. We have Genesis 1.26 where it gets that God says, let us make man in our image. That's plural. We have uh, uh, in Genesis 3.22 we have a reference of, of us being used or, uh, uh, where God is saying man is like us now, knowing good and evil. The word plural is used. We also see the plural form being used in Genesis 11.7 where uh, the Tower of Babel and, uh, and what, the, the word, uh, I'm not going to read these references. There's also another reference in Isaiah 6 8 where the word us is used, talking about the Godhead. I'm not going to go to these references. It's not a major point I'm making. I am making a little point of it now. But the, the, the word, this concept of Trinity, this concept of the Godhead is throughout Scripture. Even the word Elohim that's used 2,600 times is a plural form uh, name for God. Okay. Moving forward, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Let's, let's, uh, let's get into some new territory. And this is going to be probably one of my main, main verses for this study, and the verse that we're going to now. And this is the last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter... The last verse of 2 Corinthians. Go to the end of 2 Corinthians, the very last verse, that's where we're going. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. If you've gone to Galatians, you've gone a little too far. Okay? The last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter... So Paul is ending his letter here to the Corinthians, his second letter. And he says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see all three of them being used there? But I want to I I zero in on this uh, passage of Scripture just for a moment. Okay? There's three things that Paul is emphasizing here in the scripture, especially with all the, the Godhead, the Trinity. Okay? He's talking about the, uh, uh, I don't have it on the screen yet, I will in a minute. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's Paul's benediction to us. That's Paul's prayer and blessing to us that we would embrace the grace of Jesus Christ that we would embrace the love of God and that we would embrace the communion of the Holy Spirit I don't normally use these translations but I want to um, I want to look at two translations on this verse the first one being the New Living Translation and the second one being the message which is a paraphrase Okay, but the, the look at the words if you can see it. I don't know if you can see it. I don't know if the video can can capture this. But Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen in the New Living Translation says, "May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit." It's a communion. It's fellowship. Be with you all. I like that word fellowship. Koinonia, fellowship, communion. Same word. Okay. But I want to look at the message translation real quick, which is a paraphrase. I don't use this one a lot, but a lot of people do like it. It says, the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ and the extravagant love of God, I like that, and the intimate friendship 
of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Koinonia is communion, it's fellowship, it's an intimate friendship. And I like this because really this speaks of the heart of this message that I want to get to. Everything I said so far is true. We'll deal with some of those things going forward. But this is really the heart of my message here that I want to go forward with. That I want you, as a pastor, in this new year and now, I want you to experience the amazing grace of Jesus. I want you to experience this extravagant love of God. <coughs> and I want you to experience the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again. Because this is, this is key. I want you as a pastor, not only in this new year, but in the years to come, to experience for yourself the amazing grace of your Master, Jesus Christ. I want you to experience for yourself the extravagant love of God. And I want you to experience for yourself the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Am I making sense this morning? The Holy Spirit. And I want to piggyback on this intimate friendship. And we'll, we'll see this word friend again being used about regarding the Holy Spirit in a, a few more scriptures and hopefully today. But the Holy Spirit will be, be your best friend you will ever have. I don't know about you, but I grew up, especially beginning in high school. And it still is one of my greatest prayers that I would have good friends. I've always wanted good friends. I'm grateful I have the best friend ever, my wife, but I've always wanted friends. If there's anything that I've ever cried for, <laughs> that's, been, that's been one of the things I personally have always wanted, good friendships. Anyone who knows me, that's something that's, that's very dear to me. You know, and uh, this last year was hard because I lost my best friend uh, in this year. Uh, I lost him physically, but he's with the Lord. He's having the time of his life. Friendships are very important. But I, as, as awesome as friendships are, as awesome as my wife is and our spouses are and our families are, the Holy Spirit is the best friend you will ever have. And I want you to experience a friendship, an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be united. He, he, he will be united to you. He will be close to you. He will always be with you. How many of you know if you have a sleepless night and you need to get up in the middle of the night, he's there. He's awake. You don't have to wake him up. He's already awake. Sometimes he'll wake you up. <laughs> the talk. The prayer. No matter where you go. If we are... God forbid we're ever in some type of consecration camp or some type of dungeon or whatever because of our because of Christ or whatever we've done. The Holy Spirit's there too. You can take him wherever you go. I mean, the Holy Spirit was there with Paul and Silas, and they were praying at midnight. They were in the deepest part of the of the jail, and they were praising God, and the, it was so great that the place began to shake and the chains fell off, and they had a revival there right in the jail when the jailer and his household became saved. And filled with the Holy Spirit that very night. It's awesome. You can take the Holy Spirit wherever you go. They, they put John, the Apostle John, they, they tried to boil the guy. He wouldn't boil. 
And so they put him on the island of Patmos, and through the Holy Spirit, he had what we call the book of Revelation by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. He will lead you to life. He will lead you into the light. He will lead you into the truth. He will lead you into joy unspeakable. The Bible talks about. Let's talk about this friend. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's get to know him. If you don't know him, let me introduce you to him. Okay, let's go back to John 14. I say back to John because we were, we were in John 17. But I told you we would go back and reread some of the scriptures that Jesus talked about in John 14, 15, and 16. John 14. Let's talk about this friend, our helper, the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I tried to make the screen black. John 14. Let's pick it in verse 15. It says, if you love me, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that she may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. There's that word know again. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is praying. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, but I will pray to the Father. He will give you another helper. And he will abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot see because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. We're talking about the title of this series is about knowing the Holy Spirit. You know him. The world doesn't know him, but you do. Or you can know him. He's your helper. He's your friend. He will lead you into all truth. You can know him. You can recognize him. You can know him personally for yourself. Go with me real quick to Luke. Uh, actually, let's go, go with me to Acts chapter. Uh, no, let's go to Luke. Luke 24. scripture in a moment, if we can. But Luke 24, verses 4, 48 and 49, Jesus had already resurrected from the dead. He's meeting with the, 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 his tw the 12 disciples, actually 11. After This is after the road to Emmaus, which uh, most of Luke 24 discusses. We already have the scene with Doubting Thomas. And then he says these words, and you are witnesses of these things. What things? They're witnesses of the things of the resurrection. They're witness of, they just witnessed the cross. They just witnessed Jesus being resurrected. He says, you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. What is that promise? The Holy Spirit. 
but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. We're going to spend some more time with this a little bit later. He says, we're going to be talking about being a witness. We're not going to spend so much time on that today. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Because you're going to be, you are witnesses of these things. What, what have they witnessed? They've just witnessed uh, three and a half years with Jesus. They've just witnessed the cross. They've just witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. And we, there's something we can be a witness of. <coughs> he says, I'm going to send you the promise of my Father. And that promise is the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Acts 1.8. <coughs> Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power. But you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit had come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria <coughs> and to the end of the earth. We shall be witnesses to who? Him. We're being witnesses to him. I like the King James because it says you'll be witnesses unto me. We're being witnesses of Jesus. We'll spend more time on this later. We'll talk about being a witness. There's something that we are to be a witness. And this witness that we are to be witnesses of is power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. And to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The Holy Spirit, let me just say this. We'll spend more time with this later. I'm hoping I'm not bringing you confusion. But the Holy Spirit will empower you to be a witness. Remember just a few minutes ago? I talked about how we can quench the Holy Spirit when we are fighting them one another. When we, Jesus said uh, in John 13, he said, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. He also prayed in John 17, he says, this is how the world will know that you sent me because you love one another. When we are not loving one another, is that being a good witness? Has the Holy Spirit empowered us to fight with one another? No, the Holy Spirit has empowered us to be a witness. And one of those, not the only, it's not the only aspect of being a witness, but one of the aspects of being a witness is that we love one another. Okay? That's not the only thing. Some people think that's all I teach. That's something I teach. and that's I, Because the Word of God teaches that. But at the same point in time, the Holy Spirit will empower you to be a witness. But one, one of the aspects of being a witness is that we love one another. He mentions it multiple times in, in these passages, and especially in John 13, 14, 15, and 16, and 17. But this power, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This word power, this word dunamis, we know it, some of us know it as being explosive power. It's a miracle working power. It's, the, uh, it's also defined as a power that's inherited by nature. We are born again. We are born of God. We are born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. And this word, this seed that we're born of, we're born of the spirit of God. We're born of the word of God. 
we are born is powerful. And we'll talk about the gifts. But the fruit of the Spirit is also love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. That love, joy, goodness, kindness, gentleness is the opposite of fighting with one another. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is not envy and strife and, and division. It's love. It's gentleness. It's goodness. We'll talk about that. But we'll also talk about there is faith. There is miracles. There is signs and wonders. We're going to be talking about those too. But you can tell me your story. And I don't mean, I don't mean to be rude with it. And your story is awesome. I, you know, I can't argue with your experience. You can tell me how God did this sign, how God did this wonder. And praise God for those things, if they are God. Because there's some people who have shown me things. I'm sorry, but it, I, that's not God. Why, how do I know it's not God? There's no love in that. There's no joy in that. There's no peace in that. There was confusion in that. And I'm not trying to wipe everybody with this brush, but there's some things that people have shared. And there's not any, and to some people, it's, high, it's fire and brimstone. It's, it's, it's discouraging. It's, 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 it's not God. It's not good news. But some people, they'll share something. It is God. It is, it is wonderful. It is a divine appointment. And some things, have, 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 some things are just wonders. And we'll talk about wonders. What do you mean wonders? What's a wonder? We'll talk about those things. They're just wonderful because they know you, you just, it's an awesome thing. And, and hear my heart. I'm not tearing anyone. I'm not trying to tear anyone. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to belittle anything. But the greatest power of all, the greatest miracle of all, is seeing a life being transformed by the power of God. You show, you can show me a wonder. You can tell me some event that God did, and you can tell me a life that, been, that has been changed. A life that has been born again. A life that has been something that God did or something that God said or something that you did by the power of the Holy Spirit that transformed their life. There is nothing more powerful than seeing a life change and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wonders are great. But if that wonder doesn't change a life, then as wonderful as that is, and I'm not trying to belittle it. I'll take a changed life any day. A wonder just to have a wonder doesn't change a life. The me is meaningless. Are you kidding my story? It might be a wonder. It might be something God did. Maybe it was just an encounter you had with God and it changed your life. Praise God. Maybe it changed your life and so therefore it's worth something. But hear my heart. I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle that. But I'm about preaching the gospel. I'm about changing the world. I'm about being a witness to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. But sometimes your encounter is not going to change someone's. It changed your life. Praise God. Praise God. And I'm not trying to exclude that. But I want to change the world. I want to change lives. And I want them to have their own encounter with God. Am I making sense with that? I'm not trying to attack anything. But, but what I am trying to say is that the most powerful, wonderful work of God is changing a life. 
the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit is changing a hardened heart that is so hard it takes the Holy Spirit to get into the deep corners of that heart and melt it and make it soft and make it melt it and, and, make, and, make, and get not only just not only is it making it soft but the most wonderful work of God is taking a hard heart and giving them a new heart. A brand new heart. One of the greatest miracles is causing a heart that has been broken and been hurt. And they forgive the unforgivable. One of the greatest miracles of the Holy Spirit is to help us love the unlovely. One of the greatest miracles is causing you to go the extra mile to see a life change. To fulfill the purposes of God. I want you to be so saturated and experience the Holy Spirit that you are a witness that sees lives change. I want to use the gifts. We need to use them more. They are like a bell. That, 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 that get, causes people's attention that there is a God. He's a supernatural God. He's a holy God. He's an awesome God. There's nothing impossible for our God. But he's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God who's good. He's a good, good God. And I don't want to the praise say, I don't want people to say, see my life say, my life or your life and say, God is good, but you're sure not. You know, I don't want them to be appraising me. I don't want them to be magnifying me. I don't want them to be boasting me. But I want them, you know, I want them to witness God in my life. We are the salt of the world. We are the light of the world. And some of our light is not magnifying God. It's magnifying us. Or it's magnifying a man or someone else or something else. Or some people, it's magnifying an experience and it's not magnifying God. That, that makes sense? And so I want to magnify God. I want people to be saturated, immersed in the Holy Spirit. And experience the supernatural power. And commune with Him as their friend. To fellowship with Him. To have an intimate friendship with with God. My part as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What ministry? To help you minister and, and, and to one another. And for you to minister to God and God to minister to you. Go with me to John 15. John 15, verse 26. John 15. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. I want to read it again. But when the comforter, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father. He shall testify of me. That was the King James. I want to read from the New King James. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you 
from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. I was trying to get it from the, I had it in the message translation. Uh, let me bring it up on my phone real quick. Just bear with me. I want you to, I want you to see this. I must have hit a button that caused it to time out on me on the screen. But we're going to John 15, 26 in the message translation. Bear with me one second. He says, when the friend I plan to send you, when the friend I plan to send you from the Father comes, the Spirit of truth issuing from the Father, he will confirm everything about me, and you too from your side must give, uh, actually verse 27. Let me read that again. Sorry for the, being a little choppy this morning. But when the friend I plan to send you, the helper, the counselor, the friend I plan to send to you from the Father comes the Spirit of truth issuing from the Father. He will confirm everything about me. This Jesus, this friend, this helper, this counselor, that the Father, that, that Jesus sends from the Father. You see, in a lot of these scriptures, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved with this. That's the Godhead. But he will confirm, he will testify. I mean, he will show you Jesus. We're to be a witness. We're supposed to be a witness of, unto him, to the world. What are we testifying? I'm not testifying my experience. I'm testifying Jesus. Jesus. Praise God for your experience. But teach me Jesus. Show me Jesus. Praise God and your experience. Praise God, but somewhere in that experience, show me Jesus. Don't leave me with just an experience. Leave me with Jesus. Because only Jesus can change your life. I want you to know the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to know an experience. I want you to know a person. And that praise God for that experience. We had a beautiful wedding. But we don't talk about our wedding. We talk about our marriage. The wedding will come and go. The experience will come and go. But I want to talk. I'm not in on the pasture. When I counsel marriage and couples, I'm not so concerned about the wedding. I want you to have a beautiful wedding. I want you to have the wedding that you dreamed of. But it's more important that you have a good, healthy marriage. That's what I'm after. Not the wedding, not the ceremony. And it goes on, verse 27, and you shall bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. We're going to be, we're going to talk about witnesses. We'll come back to some of these scriptures, but we are going to be witnesses because we have been with him from the beginning since we met him. I want people to see your life. I want people to see my life and say, these people have been with Jesus. That's the witness. That's the witness. I'm almost, I'm running out of time. 
We got a little bit late started. Let me go to one more scripture and then we'll, we'll close for today and we'll pick it up next week. John 16. Verse 4. <clears throat> but these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. The King James says, it is expedient that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. We're going to come back to this passage. We're going to spend a little more time in John 16 and talk about some other passages that follow here. But Jesus says, it's expedient that you come. These disciples have been with Jesus for, for three and a half years. And now their master, their hero, is going away. He's going to die. They didn't get it. And some of us don't get it. Okay. He was leaving. And he's telling them, you don't get it. You don't understand where I'm going. You don't understand why I'm going. He goes, but I, I, I have to leave. If I don't leave, the Holy Spirit won't come. Now, I don't understand how all that works necessarily. But Jesus said, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. But it's expedient that I go, that the Holy Spirit will come. It's to your advantage that I go. What we have, let me just end on this. Why is it expedient? Why is it to our advantage? That's what we're going to pick up with next week. Is that if we, what we have in the Holy Spirit is better than we would have had if we spent three and a half years walking with Jesus. What the disciples had was great. And many of us have imagined us walking with Jesus. Just even having one day. Give me five minutes, I'll take it. And I'm not saying that's not important. We're going to have all eternity with Jesus. It's about a relationship. And I understand we all want to see him. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that, that at all. We all want to be with Jesus. But I am making a point that Jesus makes. It's better. It's being, knowing the Holy Spirit, that's why I'm teaching this, is more important. It's more, it's more to our advantage. It's expedient for us that we know the Holy Spirit more than we would have known Jesus as the Son of Man. We, we're going to be with him in all eternity, not as the Son of Man, but we're going to know Jesus as the Son of God. There's a difference. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, we know no man after the flesh, even Christ. None of us will ever know Jesus as the Son of Man. We will all know him as the Son of God. We will all be with him as the Son of God. The Son of Man died. But the Son of God raised from the dead. But having Jesus, having the Holy Spirit, is better than we would having 
I'm dead with Jesus in the flesh. And we're, we're going to pick it up there. We'll spend more time. I'll recap some of John 14, 15, and 16 next week. Uh, and then we'll pick it up here next week. Uh, see, what, let me just say this. Jesus was Jesus as the Son of Man was not omnipresent. He could only be one place at one time. As the Son of God, Jesus can be everywhere. But as the Son of Man in the flesh, Jesus But the Holy Spirit can be anywhere. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we're going to be talking about this. We'll recap some of this next week. We're going to spend a little bit of time in John 16 next week. Uh, and then we'll go on to some other scriptures. Hopefully, I know there were some parts of this that was a little choppy because uh, of technology and just me. Uh, but I pray that you got some things out of this. I want you to know the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that, yes, I want you to know the amazing grace of God. We teach that in this church. We teach the extravagant love of God in this. We've taught on this in this church. But I'm also teaching the other aspect of the Godhead, which is knowing Him intimately as your best friend, the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. Is there a lot of evil out there? Is there a lot of evil spirits out there? Yes. But I want you to have a, a friendship, an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of all spirits, the power of all power. And you can take the Holy Spirit with you anywhere, everywhere. He's your best friend. You don't have to be alone. You can be with Him. And you can have the gifts to be a witness. And we'll talk about this witnessing a lot more as we go forward. Lord, we just worship you. Lord, I pray that we would know your, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help us to get to know you. Those of us who have known you or think we have known you, Lord, teach us afresh and have a relationship with you. Yes, we want to, we want to operate in gifts. Yes, we want to pray in tongues. We'll talk about that. But Lord, teach us to know you. So that when we do these things, when we talk about the gifts, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, when we talk about tongues, we can do it properly and in order that it can be powerful and edifying to the body of Christ. But I pray as we go, I pray as we go into this new year, but I pray for our country this week. This is going to be a major week in our country. I pray for all that's going to happen this week, Wednesday. And Lord, we, 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 we just uh, speak grace to it in the name of Jesus. We pray for our president. We pray for our vice president. We pray for our, our leaders. And we thank you that justice will prevail in this country. We pray for our country. We pray for our leadership in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Have a great year. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Thank you. I keep getting that wrong today. 6 o'clock on the true nature of God. All right. God bless you.